0: Hey everybody, welcome home. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. So glad you tuned into this broadcast today. Over the last several weeks, we've been having an amazing time right here in the Word together. And in a moment, we're gonna pray, get right back into the Word. Before we do, I need to remind you though, when it comes to Pearsons Ministries International, Legacy Studios, there are four ways for you to get the Word, all right? It's the broadcast, the podcast, the website, and the app broadcast, podcast, website, app. Come on, everybody with me. Broadcast, podcast, website, and the app. Every one of these ways exists to get the word of God into your life. We believe that's the most important thing we could do. That's the assignment on our lives is to look into the word, find out what the Lord wants to say and give it to you. And if you value that, if that means something to you, then all these tools exist as ways for you to to strengthen your walk with the Lord, learn what it means to walk by faith in the day of grace. That's what this ministry is about. We're about preaching Jesus. And these are the different ways we get it out. So make sure you're, you're getting a hold of it. And of course we have other ways too. You can get the legacy letter and and really any way you want to get it. We're working on getting it out to you. We want to make sure that you have access to the word of God in your life. Speaking of the word, let's pray together and get right into it. Father, thank you so much again today for your word. Lord, I'm thankful for everything you've said to us and through us in these broadcasts over these last several weeks. I know, Lord, that you are getting us ready. I know that there's a great call on us and everyone listening, and we are ready to give ourselves entirely to it, to give ourselves to the preaching of the word, to give ourselves to the ministry of the gospel, to give ourselves to helping people and loving people And I ask you to infuse us with your strength and your ability today, your ability to preach the word, your ability to understand it. Give us eyes that see it, ears that hear it, and hearts that understand it. I worship you today for the good things that you're doing in our lives and the lives of everybody watching and listening to this broadcast all over the world. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Make yourself useful. That's been our title our series for the last several weeks and each, each uh, broadcast has had its own title, its own focus, but really it comes down to just a handful of things. We've really established, number one, we're loved by God. You need to know that and you need to know that, number one, before you try to understand God in any way or in any other light, you've got to know that he is love and that he does love you. There's nothing you can do to undo that or to change it, or to make him love you more, or to make him love you less. He has not only declared his love for you, but he's proven it to you over and over and over again. First and foremost, by giving you Jesus. He gave you proof of love. He loves you, and on top of that, though, he's called you. He created you with purpose. He formed you in your mother's womb, and you're not an accident. Whether your mom and dad were expecting you or not, he knew you were coming. You're not an accident. You've got purpose. And there's a plan that goes with your life. And he said, I know the thoughts and the plans that I have for you. He said, they're of good, not of evil. They give you peace. He said, I want to give you a, a hope and a future. The King James says, an expected end. Man, only in God can you expect what's unseen. Everybody else doesn't know what to expect. They can't see the future. They don't know what's coming. They wish for the best. They quote unquote hope for the best, but that's not what hope is. Hope is expectation. And the only person with any right or reason to expect anything good is somebody with faith in Jesus. When you're built on the foundation of faith, hope is your expectation. That's what your future is. You can expect a good future because you're loved by him and you're called by him, but there's a missing element here and it's, It's this question that has to be answered. Am I of use to him? Have you made yourself useful and available to him? That's why we've been looking for weeks now In 2 Timothy chapter two, at these two verses here, 20 and 21, in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor, some for dishonor. He's talking about different vessels get used for different things, but unlike the inanimate objects scattered around your house, when he's referring to you, you actually get to decide what kind of vessel you're going to be. You actually get to decide how you get used. Will you be used greatly by him and have a huge impact? Or will you be used in small things? Will you not be used at all? He says here, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he'll be a vessel for honor. So there's something you and I can do that distinguishes ourselves and makes us ready, willing, and available to Jesus. We can be a vessel for honor, sanctified, separated, set apart, and useful, the master, fit for the master's use. That's what I want to be. And you remember me telling you that months ago, I had a conversation with the Lord and he said, Jeremy, I want you fit by 40. I'm 37 years old sitting here talking to you right now. And so to me, that says something's coming. I've got a future. I've got an expectation that I can look forward to and I'm excited about it. But at the same time, I take it as a, war, a word of warning because he's saying, if I were to give you right now what's coming at 40, you're not ready for it. Get fit. Get fit. And he wants me fit by that time. And I, you know, I'm already dreaming about what that is. But I can say with, with total honesty and perfect clarity that over the last several weeks and months, My spiritual fitness has come up. My time with the Lord, time in prayer, time in the word has been more rewarding, more fulfilling than it's ever been in my life. And I'm doing it with purpose, plowing into my purpose like we talked about last week because I know something's coming. And when that door of opportunity swings wide open, I'm not gonna be stuck standing at the threshold, man. I'm gonna go running through it. So you gotta make your decision. Am I gonna be useful to him? Prepared for every good work. There's no greater work than the one he's called you to. And it may or may not look like the one I'm called to. It probably doesn't because there's a uniqueness to each and every one of the assignments on our lives. But that's the greatest work you'll ever do. It's the most satisfying, most rewarding, and you'll be eternally frustrated trying to do anything outside of the thing that God's called you to. Are you prepared for the work? So that's what we've been dealing with. Go back to Luke chapter nine. Again, look at these verses here in verse 57. It happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to Jesus, Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, follow me. And he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. Another also said, Lord, I'll follow you, but let me first, there you hear it again, go and bid them farewell who are at my house. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So as long as there's still something higher on your to-do list than the plan of God, You're not fit. You're not in shape. You're not prepared for the work that he's got for you. To be fit is to be ready. To be prepared is to be ready. To be in shape is to be ready to go the moment he calls. So we've talked so much about this. Every time we've gotten into these verses, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We've talked about plowing into your purpose. We've talked about not looking back to the things of the past, the things that the Lord's delivered you out of. Not looking back longingly, wishing you could go back to something, but faith, pressing towards your future. Faith is always walking. It's always moving. He said, "The just shall live by faith. But God also said, my soul takes no pleasure in them that draw back. That's why Hebrews 10 says, we are not of those who draw back. That ain't us, man. We are moving forward all the time. We don't draw back. We press forward. We press in. We press ahead. This is what it means to be ready, to be usable, to be in a condition that Jesus can use. That's what you want to be. It's what I want to be. I want to do this. Back up again. We did this several weeks ago on the broadcast, but look again at verse 51. Get some context in the world that Jesus was talking in, and in the moment that he said these things, because they seemed kind of harsh at a quick glance and on the surface, but if you knew what was on his mind, you'd know why he said it. In verse 51, it says, it came to pass when the time had come for him to be received up. Oh man, we spent some time shouting about that. Jesus already has the ascension on his mind. Now here's what's interesting, between where he is at that moment and the ascension there's still some ground to cover. There's the, there's the rest of the ministry. There's the, the road to Jerusalem. There's the, the garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane. There's the, the beating that would take place. There's the scourging that would take place. There's the cross itself. Then there's that separation from God, death, hell, and the grave. Then there's the resurrection and then the ascension. I mean, there's a lot of ground still to cover, but it says, when it came time for him to be received up, he steadfastly set his face to Jerusalem. He set his face. He set his face, his countenance. In other words, you could look at the face of Jesus and you could just tell he's going somewhere. It was even in his countenance. He set his face toward Jerusalem. Uh, years ago, I started flying airplanes. And then I kind of got out of it for a long time. But in the last year or so, the Lord's really led me back into it. And there's just something about piloting. You start to see all these illustrations that really help you preach the word. And and one thing I've noticed when you're you're taking off uh, out of an airport, especially one around here where we live in this greater Dallas-Fort Worth area, we're right by Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. That's a busy area. So when you take off out of any of the number of airports around us, there's a lot going on and really you, you want to be on what's called an IFR clearance. That just simply means that air traffic control has eyes on you. They know where you are and you're communicating with them and you file for a certain flight plan and you're taking off out of here and you're, you're wanting to go wherever. I don't know if it's close to Oklahoma or far to New York, LA, something like that, but that's the direction you want to head in. Well, when you first take off They're going to give you your clearance, but you may not hear every time, okay, just go to California. No, when you take off, they're going to say, all right, fly runway heading. And your runway heading may be due north, but you want to go west. They just tell you fly runway heading and climb and maintain this altitude. It might be 5,000 feet, 7,000 feet. Well, your flight plans for 20 something thousand feet, 30 something thousand feet. Why can't I just go there? Well, There's a lot going on in this area around here and you want those eyes on you and you want them helping you to to dodge other airplanes and you don't want to be out there on your own, right? But there's coming a moment a little while after takeoff where you're going to hear the words every pilot loves to hear. They call your tail number and they say, you are cleared on course. Turn on course. You might even hear this, establish on course. And that's what every pilot wants to hear. What's that mean? Okay, we're done messing around now. We're done turning left, turning right. We're done making all these other turns. I'm, I'm getting on the course that's going to take me where I want to go. And that's exactly what this word steadfastly, when it says it, he steadfastly set his face, that steadfastly, that word means to be established. It literally means if you look it up, to turn resolutely in a certain direction. Jesus at this point has heard from the Holy Spirit, you're cleared on course. You're cleared on course. And Jesus said, that's where I'm going. No more to the right, no more to the left. I'm cleared on course to the ascension. Now, again, there's a lot of ground to cover between here and there, but that's that's the ending. That's where it ends because even though the plan of God was set in motion from before the foundation of the world, from the time man sinned this plan of redemption went into place but just because it was god's plan doesn't mean it was a foregone conclusion doesn't mean that it just was automatically going to happen there was still great risk involved this had never been done before and this thing had to be carried out to precision had to be carried out to perfection and jesus did it man he did it and in his ascension, in his ascension was our redemption. In his ascension was our healing and our deliverance and our prosperity and our joy and our peace. And that's what he had eyes on the whole time. He set his face. You could see it in his face. It says he set his face to go to Jerusalem, sent messengers before his face. They went into a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. But but, verse 53, they didn't receive him. Why? Because his face was set to Jerusalem. Now, Jews and Samaritans, they, don't, they didn't get along so well. This was a denominational line that you just don't cross. And Jesus was in this village. And these are people, bear in mind, these are quote unquote, God-fearing people. These are even people that claim to be looking for the Messiah. Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman one day at a well, and she said, well, you know, when the Messiah comes, he'll, he'll put to rest our dispute. Jesus finally said, Ta-da. Hey, how you doing? It's me. So they're even claiming to look for him, but he, there he is standing in their presence and they don't, not only do they not recognize him, they don't want anything to do with him. And they said, you can't pass through here. You know, there are going to be people in your life that want nothing to do with you for one reason, because of where you're headed, because of where you're going and they see it in your face and for whatever reason, they don't want anything to do with that. I heard T.D. Jakes say one time, he's talking about people coming to the church and leaving the church and he put it so perfectly as he often does. He said, those who couldn't stay with me left me, but those who couldn't leave me stayed with me. Oh, I love it so much. And that was the way it was with Jesus. There were those who just couldn't leave him, so they stayed. And there were those who just couldn't stay with him, so they left. And I want you to see this. I want you to realize that there will be people in your life that don't go with you where you're going. And one of the the most important things you'll ever do is ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see who those people are and love them and bless them. But if they're not supposed to be players in your story or on your script for your life, say sayonara. I mean, there's a way to do it and do it in love, but don't hang on don't hang on to those who are not willing to go where your face is set to go. Now, fast forward now to chapter 10, because it's right after that that Jesus had told these people, he said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests. I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Why? This is where I'm going. I'm on the home stretch now. All right. There's no nice hotel between here and the cross. This is where I'm going. And if you can't hang with that, then you don't want to go with me. He didn't have time for people who were looking back, I guess. Chapter 10, it says, after these things, the Lord appointed, verse one, appointed 70 others also, and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. What is that? That's plowing. He sent people out to plow for him. He said, I'm gonna come and I'm gonna sow the word. I'm gonna sow the seed, but I need you to go plow the ground before I get there. What an honor. I mean, that today still, Jesus is the universal all-time seed sower, man. And all you and I are doing is plowing this ground for the Holy Spirit to sow seeds into your life and mine. And Jesus sent these people out to prepare for him. And for the sake of time, I won't read all of it, but he basically told them this. He said, I don't want you taking money with you. I don't want you taking change of clothes with you. I don't even want you taking a staff with you. If you couple this with the same account in Mark chapter six, it says he gave them power over unclean spirits. And people, I think, make whole doctrines out of this. He says, you preacher, you don't need all that money. No, later Jesus said, remember when I told you don't take money? Okay, now take money. So you, you got to be led. That's the point here. But believe what Jesus was saying was, I'm sending you out and I'm giving you power. I'm gracing you to go do what I told you to do. But I don't want you depending on money to do what I told you to do. The same grace that I gave you to do this will provide for you. The same grace that's on you to preach will provide for you. It'll clothe you. It'll feed you, praise God. And then he went on to tell him, he said, you're going to go into places where where they receive you and they receive the word that you preach. And he said, your peace is gonna fall on that place. You ever had a relationship like that? You ever been around people like that where there's just, it's just easy. There's just peace on it. I know I've been on the phone with people sometimes that asking a question or whatever, and all of a sudden the wisdom of God just comes out. And I'm thinking, I'm saying stuff I didn't even know. Well, it's because there was an openness to it and they received it. But right on the other hand, he said, you're going to go into places where they want nothing to do with you. And you think to yourself, how would he know that? Because he just experienced it. Did he not? Back in that village of the Samaritans, they wanted nothing to do with him. And he said, you're going to find places where they don't receive what you're preaching. They don't want to hear it. They certainly don't want to live it. He said, here's what I want you to do. Let me see if we can find this here. It's in Luke chapter 10 and look down. Oh, here we go. What is it? Uh, Verse 10, whatever city you enter, if they do not receive you, you go out into the streets and, and you say, the very dust of your city, which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Now in Mark chapter six, he just simply put it like this. Shake the dust off your feet. That's the name of this message today, shake the dust. It's an interesting statement. And I think sometimes we've taken it to mean something that's sort of in defiance. I'm just gonna shake, shake the dust off, you know, and, and, and you say it almost in a defiant way and, and angrily. But here, here's the thing, anybody who's called and is doing what they're called to do and they're sowing seeds, particularly in ministry, your heart isn't satisfied in a room full of people that don't receive it. That breaks your heart, man. You, you you want them to get it. You want more than anything for them to get the word. Because why? Their healing is in that. Their salvation is in that. Their prosperity and the blessing of the Lord is in them receiving it. And many preachers do exactly what I've done. I don't know how many times in my life when I walk out of a place and I felt like it was just dry and they didn't receive it, I get into this 12 round wrestling match with my own soul going, you stupid, you could have done this better. You should have said that you should have done this. And you know, there are things that we as ministers can improve upon. But if somebody doesn't receive the word of God, if somebody doesn't receive God and him in you and God through you, that's not between you and them. That's between them and God. Their healing is not on your back. Their healing was on the back of Jesus. And whether or not they receive it is not between you and them, that's between him and them. And so for you to shake the dust off has got to be done as an act of faith. Shake the dust, what's that mean? We gotta remember these people are not walking paved roads, they're not driving in cars, they're not flying in airplanes. They're walking dirty, dusty streets. When you're plowing ground, what's happening? You're getting covered up in dust. And when you go into a place, you go into a city, to a village, you literally get the dust of that place on you. So for you to shake the dust of that is symbolic in saying, here's what I've got to do and I got to do it by faith. I'm going to go to the next village and I'm going to go preach, but I'm not taking this village with me to the next one. Here we are still in the beginning part of 2017. And maybe 2016 wasn't your favorite year ever. Maybe you experienced some heartache and some challenging things. Let me challenge you with something right now. Shake the dust. Don't take 2016 with you to this year. Maybe the Lord rescued you out of a, a tumultuous relationship or something that was draining the life out of you. It's good that he rescued you, but you still got those hard feelings and you still got some of that bitterness. And, and, and now when it's time to get into the relationships God has put around you, you're gonna have to shake the dust of where you've been. Don't take that relationship with you to the next one. Shake the dust. You're not ready. You're not fit for his use. If you still have all the past clinging to you, if you've still got bad experiences where people didn't receive you or didn't receive the word of God from you or didn't welcome you with open arms, Jesus said it's gonna happen. So what are you gonna do about it? By faith, shake the dust and say, I'm not taking that with me to the next one. When you take it with you to the next one, you go in bitterness. But when you shake the dust off, you go in faith, you go in love and you go in power. I challenge you this year, shake the dust of wherever you've been and face your future in faith. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more.